Welcome to Buy Sci-Fi Bite-Sized Finance. I'm Kelly Brothers. I'll be your host serving up some of the most succulent stories from our region about people, places, and things that impact our community and your financial well-being. I'm sure there will even be a few tasty surprises here and there when the recipe is right. Our goal is to have you learn, think, even laugh a little bit, all calorie-free. I know you'll enjoy what we're delivering right to your kitchen table or dining room or, sir, will you be eating in your car? Wherever you choose to listen. Welcome back to Buy Sci-Fi, Bite-Sized Finance, a chance to talk with people who do amazing things in our region, people who have stories they can share with us, their successes, their failures, what's worked, what hasn't, why they kept going. And I'm joined today by a man who was not born in this country, who came to this region and could literally be the governor of the state of Northern California. He could. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Everyone cannot believe his infectious optimism. Taro Arai. Taro, thank yes. you so much, my friend. <laughs> what does that mean? Thank you very much in Japanese. Yes. What, what is Hajimashite? Hajimashite. How do you do? How do you well. do? Okay, thank you. Yes. Taro, years ago, I, I, I got the chance when the Kings went to Tokyo. Channel oh, yeah. 3 Channel 3 sent me to cover them playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in Tokyo and I it remember was, it was that. the experience of a lifetime just to be able that to That was go in the 90s, right? That was a way long time ago. That was a long yeah. time ago. But I remember walking down a street in Tokyo behind Vlade, Chris Webber, you know, and uh, and the looks they got, the looks they yeah. got. Oh boy, who are these guys? Taro, great to have you on. For those of you who don't know, Taro is the CDO, Chief Dreaming Officer. I'm not sure there's any other executive in Sacramento who has that title of CDO, but Taro has it for Makuni Sushi and and just an all-around good guy who's a very an incredible booster for the entire region, for charities in the region. Taro, I, I have to start with your story because I've heard it and I want to hear it again. Tell me about how you left Japan and decided to come to Northern California? I mean, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. And at the same time, I don't really feel like I deserve to be where I am right now. I mean, okay, I'll give you a two-minute story how I came about. I, mean, I was an outcast. I was too unique or different or too crazy, too wild. I don't know, whatever you want to say. And I didn't fit in Japan. So when I was 11, I told my dad, can't be myself. My dad said, America is a good place for you to go. That's when I start dreaming. I want to go to America. So I start doing the newspaper route. And when I was 11 to 15 and a half, raised $6,000. So I told my parents, I'm ready to go. And my parents, my brother, sister said, why don't we go all together? That's why we came to the United States with my newspaper route money. So that's, yeah. The That's whole the family came at one time. Is that right? Yes. And, and they didn't have money. So well, when we came here, of course, I did a newspaper right again, collecting cans, cardboards. My brother, too. My sister, my mom did housework and, you know, janitorial work. We did everything we can. We moved 10 times first year and a half in America looking for cheaper rent. And my dad has been a pastor all his life in Japan. We found the church needed a Japanese sticking pastor. That's why we got a green card within a month. That was a miracle too. 
The only problem was there were only three members. There were 88, 91, and 101. So that's why they paid my dad $450,000 a month. This is back in 85, but still that's not that much of money. So that's what we kept working and working first two years in America. So, Taro, when you say you were different, what, what, does, that, what does that mean? I mean, uh, Japan, beautiful country, but, but obviously a country on the, on the spectrum of conformity would be on the right side. I mean, they, they do want everyone to kind of yes. fit into a slot, correct? How are you different? How did you, how did you perceive yourself as being different? Well, I don't really follow the rules. In Japan, everybody goes by the books. I mean, they're really amazing people but they want to do everything together in one way. And let's say for school, we had to wear black uniform. I got it from my cousin, but my parents didn't have much money. I had to wear white shoes with a yellow trim. I found the red shoes for $8. I told my parents, that would do it for me. So I wore that in first day in school. 2,500 students were there. Morning assembly, principal called me out. And then I was on the podium waving at my friends until they... Until he started hitting my face, I was bleeding everywhere. And the principal said, you have to follow the school rules. Otherwise, we'll do this to you. So that's how I start my junior high school, too. And I had a reverse mohawk. Not mohawk, just shave the middle to be unique. And oh, they didn't like it. So they used a Sharpie to paint my bald spot. Oh, I used to get hit all the time. Wow. That's, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, you, you know, then that you really don't, you're not fitting in the way they want you to. So you decide to, what, what, what was it, you know, your dad said, go to America, but what was it about, was it the, the job your dad was offered? Is that how you ended up in the Sacramento region or wh- why'd you end up here? Yes. So I was ready to go anywhere in the United States, LA, San Francisco. I was looking at all these cities. I was only 15 and a half. I said, you know what? I'm going anywhere. Then my dad contacted, and then uh, they, Sacramento. I didn't know where Sacramento is back then. But, yeah, they said they need a church, need a Japanese-speaking pastor. That's what we said. Okay, God is opening the door, and then let's go Sacramento. That's how we came to Sacramento. So you came to Sacramento. What happened? Did you go to school? What? what did you I went to Harm Johnson High School. I wanted to go Kennedy. I went to go El Camino. I went everywhere without English, without knowing anybody. And they, they all said no, but Han Johnson had an ESL class. So they took me in. But for six months, I didn't even go to high school because I had to work. But I told my parents, I think I should finish high school at least. So I went back to school. It was kind of rough because, you know, I was expecting different Imagination, yeah. it's a culture shock. It's different too. In Japan, we are very respectful. We trusted everybody. And I learned on the hard way. And somebody said, if you don't get it, just say no problem. So I kept saying, who's your favorite teacher? Oh, no problem. Where are you going? <laughs> no problem. So they started calling Mr. No problem. I mean, I got dished on the homecoming dance. No problem. And... That's how I, I was in high school. I had no idea what's going on. And people wants to fight all the time. You know, it was kind of rough school too. Oh, yeah. But then I moved to Campo High School. I went to Oakmont High School. I went everywhere in a year and a half. Th- think about what you went through in the first 18 years of your life, Taro, from the 
physical abuse in Japan to the fear in America of being completely new and different. What, 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 what is it inside of you that gives you that incredible optimism that tomorrow will be a better day? What is that your faith? What, what, what gives you that? I think having a dream, like my title CDO is chief dreaming officer. And then my dad loves to dream. And then I, I kept dreaming myself too. Maybe if I can go through this, I might get there. So I love setting goals too. So everything I do, I set goals and try to be there. If not, I kept telling myself, you know, suffering, enjoy the suffering because suffering brings patience, patience, the good character, good character, the hope. So I just have to keep, keep having my hope and keep moving on. My dad always said from the beginning to the end, when we struggle every time, my dad said, keep digging. I said, how deep we have to dig ourselves in? He said, look at all this building. Deeper the foundation, God can build something amazing upon. So that's, I kept doing it. Keep digging. You did it. You did it too. And you're, you're right. There's so many people who would, who would give up after that first episode or that second episode or that third episode or the 10th episode. They would just say, oh, no, I can't do it. It's too hard. But you never did that. Tell we we have to take a break in a few minutes here. But let's let's go to the beginning of Makuni. How how did Makuni begin? Well, my dad woke up one morning. He said, "God gave me a vision, dream that we'll open the restaurant." And then my dad never cooked in his life. He has no idea about business, no business concept, business plan. There's no way. I told him that's not possible. But he said, "Well, we're gonna pray about it because." I had a dream. <laughs> we had a $2,000 bank account all together. This is like two years of saving, but I still didn't think we could open the restaurant with $2,000. And then we met this Japanese guy on the street. I mean, it what was are so odd. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I have a fanny pack too. He had a panic pack and glasses and taking pictures of the houses. And we stopped by and how can I help you? He said, how do you know I'm Japanese? Well, I could smell you. We exchanged the phone number. He went back to Japan and called my dad. What are you guys doing in America anyway? My dad said, we're opening a restaurant together. And this guy said, all right, give me a bank account number. I want to be part of your adventure. And next time we went to the bank, he sent us, we found out he sent us $300,000. $300,000. I mean, back in the days, back in the 80s, it was like, over a million dollars worth. I mean, for us, I mean, it was like, oh, yeah. I had only three zeros in the bank account. I see another zero and another zero. I said, what's going on? My dad said, son, do you believe in miracles? I said, I think I have no choice now. Yeah. I mean, and you, you met him on the street in Sacramento. Is that correct? In Roseville. In Roseville. Yeah. And that guy gave you the fuel to get started. That is, that's amazing. That year was, was, was that 1987, Taro? 87, yes. Okay, so you'd been here two years. You had struggled through multiple high schools. And this was now the dream. And suddenly you had the white Boom. way, kind of the, the guy who came out of nowhere and suddenly said, I will help you fund your dream, right? Yes, but this is the beginning of all the problems, though. Well, because- tell you what, hold on to that. We're going to take a short break. You're listening to Bite Sized Finance. We will be 
right back with Taro after this to hear about the problems and the building of Makuni to what it is today. Taro Arai on Bite Size Finance. I'm Father Christopher Calderon. I serve as the president of Cristo Rey High School, a work-study school. As we partner with businesses all throughout Sacramento, we want to take a moment to hear from our students as they share their experience. Hi, my name's Alexia Lejo. My work-study sponsor is Bhutan Jones, and I like the environment that's in the firm and the people that I'm surrounded with. They treat me like family when I'm there. Thank you very much, Bhutan Jones. Thank you again to all our work-study sponsors for believing in and being a part of the work we do. Back on Bite Size Finance with Taro Arai. So we have, he has come to America. He has endured multiple high schools and less than optimal experiences, mainly because he was different, didn't speak the language. It was just a rough, plus he was an adolescent. And then he, he but because of his faith, his dad's faith, they stumble across a man who suddenly says, I want to invest in your dream of a restaurant. So that's McCooney. The gentleman puts $300,000 into your account. Is that correct? Yes. And then what happens? What happens, I mean, you have to find the location. We had no idea. My dad opened the map of Sacramento. He was a runner. Oh, there's a dam out there. I want to run around the dam. That's the only reason he decided to open one in Fair Oaks by Nimbus Dam. One on Hazel, which is still there today. Correct. Right? Yes, right. Yeah. there were no Asian people lived there. Past <laughs> it was one of the worst locations you can think of. I mean, no Go River, no Folsom. It was just uh, Intel and Aerojet. And, yeah. Yeah. and so, of course, yes. Did, so, Tara, sorry. So, were you thinking we're gonna we're going to provide food for all the Asian people who live in Sacramento, or were you thinking we're going to introduce American people to really good Japanese food. I mean, we didn't even think about it. Yeah. We said, who's going to make sushi to start with? No one. Who's going to cook? My mom can do home cooking. Takes like three days to make one dish. I mean, we had no plan. And then my dad decided we can open right here. And then we start building the restaurant. And of course, they said this food is $50,000. We had no idea how much everything worth. So I was only 17. I was a bookkeeper. I kept writing checks. That was fun. You know, I just keep writing checks. <laughs> they said, oh, $15,000 for lighting system. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't do that much. I kept writing. So within the six, I mean, within six months, bank called us that you, we owe us, we owe them money. I said, well, I have a mon- money in the bank. How do I owe you guys the money? Well, you kept writing back, you know, checks that you run out of money. You have $2,000 in fine for writing bad checks. That's when I started to talk to my dad. I think we're out of money. So we called this guy in Japan. I'm sorry, but I think we failed. We can't pay anything. Everything is COD, catch on delivery. And he said, okay, let me send you another 100000 Boom. He sent us another $100,000. Then when I was 21, it was one of the hardest times because more we worked, but we lost money and we didn't know what's going on. We didn't have a bank to work with 120 days behind on everything. And then six months, not paying the rent or lease. So I told my parents, you know, I played basketball lunch break. I broke my ankle, you know, twisted, dislocated my middle finger. 
And I mean, also because I had a stomachache, you know, too much pressure, stress. And I cut my hand wide open. I can't go to the hospital because I have no money to go to the hospital. I told my dad, this is not a dream. This is a nightmare. How about we all pack up everything in the middle of the night? Let's go back to Japan. And then I, I put the restaurant on the market too. If we can sell it, at least I can pay back to him whatever we sell it for. And we, we tried to sell for $15,000. Kidding me. I mean, thank God nobody bought it. Yeah. We had no idea how much everything was. And yeah, but my dad kept saying, hey, I want you to quit school. I said, well, first of all, Asian parents never ask your kids to quit school. <laughs> I said, why? Well, you have to work 7 a.m. to midnight every single day without day off. I couldn't say no because they're doing it. I come in after school to midnight every day, but they're exhausted. I can see them. And my dad never slept even a second on Saturday night preparing the sermon, you know, for church. Oh, I yeah. see them living faith and such hard work. I said, okay. I wasn't that smart anyways. I said, okay, I'll do whatever I can. And then let's do the sushi bar. I had no idea. I had a book called Sushi for Dummies. That's how I started making sushi. But, you know, let's do our, I mean, okay. One thing my dad told me was, it's not about, two. it's not about what you know about who you know. So I said, you know what? I'll introduce myself to every customer who comes in, who came in. And it was amazing. They helped us so many different ways. And second thing he said was, do your best and let God do the rest. I said, okay, my best is not good enough. But I can't do my best. If he doesn't work out, I'm going to blame upstairs. So since then, I changed my whole attitude toward work and life. I never had a bad day since because I'm doing my best. And meanwhile, my dad was very strict. He said, no sex before marriage. I said, okay, okay, dad. I'm getting old enough. I can't wait anymore. So I'm going to call my girlfriend in Japan to move over here. So I called her, please move here right now. As soon as she got here. Man, I got married, boom, 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 four kids in five years. I went out a second baby. My dad said, son, I had a dream. I said, oh, no, 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 please, no. And he said, I'm going to name your daughter Chio. Me 1,000 sheep. I had a dream. We'll have 1,000 customers a day. I said, dad, we have a little shop. We can only fit 30. And a good day, we have $300 in sales. How can we help thousands? That's when, I don't know, yoga shop next door closed down. My dad said, all right, take it over. Haircut closed down. You know, still closed down. And then we asked the donor shop, can you move to other building? And we start having customers, thousand customers on weekends. And then as you know, 99 Roseville, 2003 downtown, 2005 in Arden, 2006 in Elgrove, 2007 North Star, 2008 in Davis, 2009 Denver, Concord, Folsom, and now we just opened one in Pavillons too. So family of five, now we have about, th- I mean, over a thousand employees now. And from, for a while, we're the only sushi bar in the whole world couldn't buy any fish. Now we use over 52 tons of seafood every month. Thank God for the big ocean. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> And in the sales too, we used to do three hundred dollars. I mean, eleven thousand dollars. I still remember monthly, you know, financial. We did about seven over seventy million dollars last year. 
So I'm living an American dream, but my dad always, always remind me, be humble, give back to God, give back to the community. That's, that's the most important thing in our family. So, but his advice about, you, you know, you meeting, you meeting your customers. I mean, you can't meet you and not be impressed. You can't, you just can't. And I just think that's so important that you're not, when you meet the owner of something that's so different than working someone who's working, you know, working there, you know what I mean? It's, you're meeting someone who has a vested interest in the experience you have in their establishment. So what, when did you know, Taro, when did you feel like you turned the corner? When was that moment at which you looked around the restaurant and thought, oh, this is going to work. I know this is going to work. Well, when was that? I don't know. I mean, I feel like I'm, we're just starting the engine. But when we opened the restaurant, you know, like I said, nobody likes sushi to start with. And I begged them. In high school, not even one friend ate sushi. And I, here, here I am, you know, Mr. No Problem. They said, hey, I don't like sushi. I said, okay, thank you for coming in. How can I help you? I like hot dog. No problem. I just go buy a hot dog from a liquor store. Just made a hot dog roll and serve with ketchup, mustard. And, you know, I like hamburgers. No problem. I made a hamburger with miso in it. I made a miso happy burger roll. It was kind of good. And then one lady came. I want this, this, this. My name is Marilyn. Okay, we create Marilyn roll. Next time I know, I have 300 rolls for each customer. <laughs> With a request, I had a big secret menu. I had a hard time memorizing all these things. But as you know, those 300 people brought their family and friends, and they want to show what kind of role they created. And then second restaurant opening, that was a hard do. We had a family of five and plus friends and family to dividing two. It was not easy. Was it, where was the second one again? Was that Roseville? Roseville back in 99. Yes. Okay. And, but at the same time, I, I used to have 26 keys on my waist. I still remember, you know, this key, that key, this key, that key, roof key, alarm key, this. And then I realized I don't have time for all these. And I, I found out I have no talent on numbers. I mean, administration, nothing. But only thing I had was delegation. I had a lot of smart people around me. I said, you know what, from now on, you take this key, you open the door, 8 a.m. Oh, you're the one going to deal with alarm at 3 a.m. Can you do this for me? <laughs> now I have only key for, I, actually, I don't have any key because I can start my car with my <laughs> With your phone, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, it had to help, Taro, that none of us knew how delicious sushi was. But then to think that it's A, that delicious, and B, actually good for you. It's real food from the ocean that is good for you. I mean, that was a, that had to help you as well, right? Yes. Healthy, yeah. Nutrition, that helps too. I don't know what happened last 20, 30 years. People start liking sushi. I mean, I, mean, I thank God every day for that. Because like Oakland High School, I graduated from, invite me. You know, can you speak for a sissy club? I said, sissy club? <laughs> because, but the thing is, every, my kids, you know, like junior high school, uh, elementary school, I go out there, do the sissy class for them, couch all day with them. I went to so many, 
schools to the sushi demonstration. At the same time, I share the story and encourage them. If I can live in American dream, anybody can. I'm the best example with no talent and everything. So I did that and Oakland High School, I went there. Over 70 kids had a Mikuni t-shirt and they had a sushi club. I cried. I said, what, hey, what a hey, blessing to see that. Taro, before we take a break, real quick, what does Mikuni mean? Mikuni means the kingdom of God, like heaven. Back with Taro on Buy Sci-Fi after this short break. Kelly Brothers here for Cap Trust. We are fiduciaries. That's an interesting word. What does that mean? That means that legally we are obligated to put your best interests over our own. Non-fiduciaries don't have that same legal situation. They can sell you something as long as it's suitable but they don't have to put you in the best thing for you over their best interest. In other words, they can't just sell you a nice annuity with a big fat commission for themselves, even if it's not the best thing for you. We are fiduciaries. We are proud to be fiduciaries. And let me say something too about price. I am always shocked by the fact that I, there are people who I know will scour the internet for the cheapest flight or the cheapest ticket to a ball game, but they have no idea what they are paying for their advisor. We tell you upfront in black and white, here's what you're paying for what you're getting. Cap Trust here in Sacramento, Roseville and Folsom. Back again on Bite Size Finance. Kelly Brothers, your host, but I am joined today by the Chief Dreaming Officer of Makuni. And his name, of course, is Taro. Taro. You mentioned the expansion over a number of years. And what I, what we try to do in this podcast and this radio show is, is not only highlight the successes, but the failures and what was learned from those failures that then allowed you to get even bigger and better in the subsequent years. Would you say your first big failure was Denver? Oh, I mean, I have so many failures that you don't have enough time to talk about. <laughs> Yes, Denver is one of them. 2005, 6, 7, we're doing so good. I give partnership to other people so I can kind of relax. I mean, my dad was telling me, don't do it. Everything was, I mean, it's so good to be, you know, my account would become the CEO. He said, he'll run it for me if you give me this percentage. I did. And this, this, this. And then they, they bought me a Porsche. They bought me a BMW. I said, why do I need all these cars? You'd rather pay tax or cars. I said, I guess I take whatever. I never drove any of those, but that's what I did. And everything was going so well. And he found the location in Vegas, Denver. And they said, okay, let's open the Denver. I said, sure, why not? Three and a half million dollars to open it. I mean, it looks beautiful. It was one of the most beautiful restaurants. I ever seen, I couldn't believe it, how beautiful outside, you know, patio in the Denver. It only problem was it was 25 miles south of Denver and it went into 2008, nine and 10, as you know. And meanwhile, my kids are playing high school basketball, football, golf. Here I am, economy is going Tanking. down. Yeah. Thank you. 
I don't get to see my family. And we lost half a million dollars a year on that store. So after three years, we're down five mil on the store. So I finally vocal about what's going on and found out we had $11 million debt because I was careless. I was, I thought everything was going so well. And our lawyer told us maybe we should file the bankruptcy and done. So I told my dad, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I know you told me not to have a partners, but I did anyway. So what do we do now? And my dad said, you know what? Remember the son? Keep digging. Keep digging. So, so what were the lessons there that you shouldn't abdicate that responsibility or, or, or was it geographical that trying to go somewhere 1500 miles away probably is not, you're, you're not going to be around as much as you'd like to be. What were, what was the lesson you pulled out of that? I mean, there's so many, I mean, losing humbleness, you know, we thought building food, everything was just be perfect. You just keep growing. But I realized it's a people. We need the right people to work with. And so that's why first thing I did was I came up with a mission statement. Let's have our own mission statement. What's important for us? It's not about making money. It's not about making best sushi in the world. So I came up with, you know, why not to be the most loving and loved company in the world? We have to keep loving people, God, you know, everything we do, and we want to be loved by them. It's about relationship with people. So we change whole attitude toward business, and then we let the CEO go, and then my brother-in-law became our CEO, and we had about 20, I don't know, 25 people in a uh, corporate office, but next time we know, we had about 12 or 10, and they all cut 40% of their pay. We found out who really wants to be with us back then. And then we kept trying. And then, do you know the word Kaizen? Keep Kaizening, right? Yes, keep Kaizening, continuous improvement, change for the better, right? So we said, we got to change. We, if we think we're doing good, we're done. So we changed whole attitude toward everything. So we came up with the core values too, M-I-K-U-N-I. And motivate ourselves to do our best. I inspiring, inspire each other. K, Kaizen ourselves in every way. You for united as one. We could united. Under God, we're one human race. Why not we love each other? And and for never stop dreaming. And then the last one, I for increased love, increase God's love. So it was expensive mistake, expensive lesson. But through it, I think we learned the most important thing. So from there, we turned everything. We didn't give up. We start digging again. And in about five years, we struggled. But 2011, we opened Kaizen Restaurant and Fountain. And 2015, finally, we paid off all the debt. We opened the fossil. So I don't know how to explain how we did it other than our community just help coming and helping in, in every way from the lawyer to, you know, loyal customers They helped us to get through. So that's why I can't thank you enough to each one of them. I finished a book called The Abundance. First of all, I want to give 
the doctor that who gave us some money, you know, he never came and see what he, what he has done. So I wrote the first book. I explained to him, can you come and see what you have done? He said he's busy. So I wrote the book, mentioned his name. I went back to Japan, found out he was already gone. That's why I believe in pay it forward. I want to find people who cannot pay us back. I want to help those people. So after we op start opening, 30 years passed. So while well, we made it 30 years, so I, I was writing an appreciation letter to all the people who helped us to create the roles. And for example, do have you tried to rescue roles? Yes. Yes. I mean, when tsunami happened in Japan, I was very, very sad about it because I saw my friends lost his family and stuff. It was very personal to me. So we created rescue roles. We asked people in Sacramento to buy. Within two weeks, we sold 4,000 rolls. We ended up raising $180,000 for Japan. Wow. Since wow. then, every disaster, if I see something, you know, people are expecting us to do the rescue roles. Like Maui got in fire. I mean, before I announced it, people start messaging me, are you doing the rescue roles? <laughs> yes, we will. In two weeks, we raised $100,000 for Maui too. But I so, think, one of the, Tara, one of the lessons, though, of Denver yes. is you were, became a better operator because of Denver. You you made changes. You came up with a mission statement. You you decide. You, you wrote down your core values. You you suddenly knew what you would and would not do in the future. You grew from that experience, right? Yeah, for sure. Without it, I don't know where I am right now. But because of it, I mean, I don't know. I learn about people. I don't learn about. <laughs> business and verify everything it's you know i was too naive too yeah so but, you, I, but a few years later then you started concord right concord and and you know that's out of the area it's only an hour and a half away but it's it is kind of kind of out of the area that would have heard the name makuni sushi over right. and over again for many many years and so ha has that experience worked for you yes i mean we did the study the most hits on the website was all from Bay Area. Oh. So I knew they already, and they would go to the Tahoe. On the way back, they stopped by. So it was a no-brainer to open one in Concord or Walnut Creek Bay Area. Yeah. And, well, my goal is, of course, got Chief, Chief Dreaming Officer, why not have 50 businesses by 50th anniversary of Mikuni with 50 family members? So I'm excited to go back to Denver or Idaho, Reno, I want to chase all the Californians or I don't know where they left to. But I want to find out where they are and we want to keep moving forward with our plan. If will you I have was, 50 family members by then? You probably will, huh? We'll see. I got a second granddaughter is coming. And, and then my, my son's opening a new store. That's his first store for him to open. My daughter is running a marketing team. I mean, it's, it's been fun. I'm sure it has. So, and as we speak, because people listen to this weeks, months, years later, as we speak, you've just opened up the store on Fair Oaks Boulevard at Pavilions. And I, I know you've rolled up your sleeves and been over there for many long hours. How has the first weekend gone? You know, I, I just been there once so far because we have the team it's, I don't know, they don't need me. 
if I go there, I'm, I'm going to mess them up. Like <laughs> even designing the restaurant too, they said, you know what? We're good. I said, why? We, we want to eliminate color pink, purple. <laughs> Every time I design, I do a little too crazy. So my sister said, let me, let me do this one. And then my niece did all the artwork. My son and then CEO, CEO of the group did all the work. So I've been there once and then it was packed. So I, I feel bad for staying there too long. If I'm there, hey, can I buy him oh, a drink? Taro, there is no other man your age in town who can pull off the golf outfits you wear. I'm just telling you, no one. The teal, the pinks, the fuchsia, the watermelon, the no one can do it. If any of us try, we look like we're goofballs, but Taro. I don't like being a goofball. <laughs> Taro, we got one section left, my friend. Hold on. Can't thank you enough for your time and sharing your story with us it. because it's a story that needs to be told over and over and over again. Taro Rai on Bite Size Finance. Protecting your loved ones two and four-legged is important, and the Sacramento SPCA can help. Join us for a complimentary state planning seminar to learn how you can plan for your family, your pets, and animals in need. Visit sspca.org forward slash estate to learn more. Back again on Bite Size Finance, Kelly Brothers, along with Taro Arai. And we have just one section left, Taro. Your story requires longer than an hour, but an hour is all we've got today. So here we go. Taro Tell me about, I love the immigrant experience. I love, my parents were off the boat from Ireland. I love talking to people like you, Angelo Sokopoulos from Greece, Vivek Ranadive from India, Bibacagiano from Italy. You know, you, you immigrants so enrich our lives, but I always love the story of when you go back. I remember, Tara, with my dad, I remember he had a beautiful sports coat. And I, he was going back to Ireland and I said, daddy, you going to bring the, that coat with you. I love that coat. And he said, nah, I'm not, I, I don't want to be that guy. He's, you know, he just wanted to wear a sweater. He didn't want to be the American trying to put on a show when he went back home sort of thing. You know, he just, he wanted to blend in a little more. He only had a week there anyway, but what is it like when you go back to Japan and you see well, family I, and I, friends who know what you did, how you did it? what you endured, and the success you're experiencing today. What's that like? Well, like, I go there about twice a year, and I'm still be myself. I go there, people don't think I'm a Japanese even. So I did a lot of research, like sake factory, fish farms, fish market. So I do all the work when I go there. So there's one sake called Dustai, world famous. I went in there. Talked to the owner. He said, where are you from? I said, I'm Japanese. I'm from here. No. I said, what? And he said, you smell different. I said, what the heck? I mean, people still think I'm unique. And some people think I'm a soccer, professional soccer player. They do all these things. But every time I go back, I have so many things to share. When Kumamoto, my city, hometown, got earthquake and then Kumamoto Castle fell and so many people died. And we did, we raised money here. It was $25,000, but we went back and we gave it to all those people. And, and people said, hey, can you be on TV? I said, why not? We want to encourage others to do the same. Oh, you, 
people like elementary school friends, kindergarten friends, they all find me on Facebook. I knew you were somewhere out there. <laughs> so I connected with them. Oh, it's amazing. God gave me the opportunity to share what God has done for a family, for the community. It's been amazing. Every time I go back there, my preschool <laughs> friends, we're going to get together in March and then we're going to have a dinner together. I mean, it's such a blessing. And whenever they visit me and me, me in America, first they said, what kind of food is this? Because we had no rules. We created all different rules. And now we have like 39 headships openly all everywhere around the Sacramento area. So people think sushi is this, that, but in Japan it's a little different. So when they come, they learn something new. Now one of the friends in Japan wants to open Mikuni in Japan too. So we're working on it right now. Actually, they're coming next month to talk about it. Wow. So going to Japan is amazing. And I'm sure it is. And you, you mentioned, you know, a few people in Sacramento or maybe in the country in terms of business have done a better job of utilizing social media. You mentioned Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on Twitter, you're on, you're on everything. And t- tell me about that. And, and because I think a lot of people would love to utilize it more, but they have no way of knowing kind of quantifying the benefit to their business. How, how do you think about social media and its use? Because man, social media and Taro just go together hand in hand. Cause you're usually showing incredibly beautiful pictures of incredible food and people having a good time, which is all people really want to see. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm not an expert on social media. Nikuni has their own social media site. I just had it because I love sharing. And then I want to show my appreciation to people around me. So I kept posting. And after 5,000 friends, they said, no more friends. I have to open another one, another one, another one. Not four Facebook pages. And then the Instagram, you know, and LinkedIn, everything all together. Like, I mean, like Instagram too. My mom, she's 80, but her passion, her goal is to be the first like. And then <laughs> she's waiting for the notification. And then she said, I don't have to see you and know what you're doing, what you're thinking. I love it. And then she always get, I got second again, second again. She'll never get first like because I, I do first. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, social media, through social media, I met so many people. I mean, I mean, good and bad, but always learn something from it. So I love social media. And then I love sharing my goals and what we're going to do. And they help us to say yes or no. I love it. I mean, Oh, you've built an incredible brand. And I, when I say brand, I mean, the brand is everything. It is the food. It is the feeling. It is the giving back. It is the faith. It's, it's, it's all, it's family too. Let's talk about family for just a moment. Yes. What is your dream? Cause you've got these beautiful kids and grandkids. What? Well, what I mean, is- first of all, I took two boys out like about five years ago. I said, Kaizen, do you have to do this to Kaizen yourself. Whole week I preached all the way back. I said, you know what? I should be a better father too. How can I? Give me a suggestion. Those boys start writing, a, I mean, books. I say, well, I don't need a book. Why don't you give me one? And my younger brother, a younger son said, 
why don't you follow your own advice? I'm like, like what? Well, don't text and drive. You tell me that, but you're doing it. I said, wow, because I'm special. Oh. <laughs> no, I said, I'm sorry. You know what? I shouldn't be just talking. I should show it with my actions. So since then, I asked my family members, how can I? Like I asked my wife too, how can I be a better human being? She said, oh, okay. Start writing it right now. I said, no, no, no. Let me start with one. Yeah, you love sharing. You, you like to talk, but why don't you think before you speak? I said, that's so rude. <laughs> I saw the YouTube. The guy said, hey, T-H-I-N-K. T, is it true? H, is it helpful? I is inspired. N is a hard one. Is it necessary? K, is it kind? Not don't say it. That year, my goal was to think before I speak. I can't talk anymore. I, be, I was becoming a mute because everything I said is, wasn't really necessary. And in the following year, I told my wife, why I'm the only one talking? Why don't you talk? She said, well, you never listen. So that year, my goal was to be a better listener. I mean, to employees, managers. It was not easy for me. But I learned how to listen so I can listen to learn. And then, then now, next year, I said, you know what? I want to be a humble servant. I want to serve people. I want to serve, you know, my family. What? How can I do it? Let me start with you. I asked my wife. She said, you can do one thing for me every morning. I said, what is it? Can you pick up the dog poop every morning? We have a little dog. I said, you know what? That makes you happy. I'll do it. And then uh, uh, for the community, I go pick up the garbage once a week with my wife. And then for our teammates, we have a thousand teammates. We do encouragement video for them too. That's what I do every, every month. So... At the same time, I want to show that I have a strong will to quit something. I don't want to be addicted to anything. So three years ago, I said, you know what? No coffee for a year. I did that. No gambling for a year. Last year was no alcohol for a year. That was a long year. I couldn't drink. And this year, no <laughs> shopping. So I don't get to shop. I'm like, I went to so many wow. restaurants. So you, not- you, you test yourself then, huh? You test. I want to make sure, yes, I can tell them and I can show them with my action. So like, I used to be short temper back in the days. I want to show, I said, you have to be happy and don't worry. I showed my action. Now I'm so happy. And then about three, four years ago, one lady said, I had a dream. I said, well, I'm married. No, I got to tell you this. I said, all right, we meet from the Facebook. And she said, you have to be the most joyous. I said, I'm already happy. Then realize I don't have to choose to be happy. I'm going to ask God to give me joy from within. If I don't share like this, I feel like I'm going to blow up. People say, your cup is half full. No, I got a bucket overflowing 24-7. So every morning I wake up, I can't stop smiling. I can't wait to share my joy. After this, I'm going other places. I can't wait to meet people and spread the joy. That's who I am right now. I don't know what to do. Oh, man. That's, uh, that's a gift, Tara. Well, it's a gift to you, but it's also a gift to us. It really is. What? But is it your dream that your kids and grandkids are in the business? Or are you, yes. uh, or are you one of those dads who thinks, no, I want them to find their own path? Well, my CEO has uh, different ideas. But for me, I didn't brainwash them. I gave them a choice. Yeah. But I'm guiding them. I love to keep going. So my son, after Davis, 
he came in and he's been working for years. Now he's 30, has a family. He's the one who opened it. My daughter just had a daughter, granddaughter, and she wants to keep working with us. My number three is like you. He's a financial advisor, does all the 100,000 people's 401k. But I told him, I need a good CFO that I can trust. Yeah. So yeah. I'm kind of working with him right now, but he's pretty happy <laughs> where he is right now. My number four, she's the one that, I mean, I thought she was a little slow and she was not a good athlete. In high school, I said, you got to play sports. She said, well, I tried it out in sports. I couldn't make it, but I did make one. I said, what is it? Golf. I said, how did you make it? They said, I just have to have a golf club. I said, all right, I get to a golf club. And she said, I want to get a scholarship in golf. I said, what? You shot 128. That's not possible. But I don't want to pay for school. So she kept practicing three hours a day. And she ended up getting a full scholarship, became a captain college, won the D2 section. I mean, she did everything. And meanwhile, she had a full point, whatever, GPA. And then she came home. I want to be part of Mikuni. Well, I need a commercial real estate agent because I want to keep opening new stores. Yeah. But she said, can I start with residential? So she did that. And last year, she did about $60 million in sales. So she's And you bring her to every charity golf tournament, and she's your ringer. <laughs> I know how that works, Tara. I've seen it work. Tara, we can't thank you enough for your story, yes. for your passion, for your joy. There are, there's no one more important to this region than Taro and the way you feel and the way you make others pe other people feel. So thank you. Well, I want to thank you. Without you, I couldn't share this again. And I want to thank each one of them in Sacramento region too. Without them, I'm not here. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. Ajimashite. I don't know if I Ajimashite. use that correctly, but we will send you this and you can send this out via social media like you do so well, my friend. God bless you, Taro. Keep up Thank the great you. work. Keep kaizening like yes. you always do. Thank you and so much. To do as well. Taro Arai on Buy Sci-Fi Bite-Sized Finance. What does it take to get a kid into college these days? We're going to talk with an expert who has counseled many kids in the Sacramento area and has built a business doing it around the world. Billy Downing on the next Bite Size Finance, 3 o'clock on Sunday or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to Buy Sci-Fi, Bite Size Finance. If you liked what we served up today, please give us your rating, subscribe, and by all means, share. Music for the show produced locally by Kitty O'Neill and her band, Skylar's Pool. Under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940, this podcast is defined as an advertisement and includes an uncompensated testimonial by a cap trust client. Please be advised that clients' experiences as described in this podcast do not necessarily represent the experience of other clients. The discussions and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and are subject to change without notice. This podcast is intended to be informational only. Nothing in this podcast constitutes a solicitation, investment advice, or recommendation to invest in any securities. Cap Trust Financial Advisors is an investment advisor registered under the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. Cap Trust does not render legal advice. Kelly Brothers, host of this radio show, but also an advisor at Cap Trust. If you're looking for independent fiduciary advice, give us a call. We have offices in Sacramento, Roseville, and Folsom. CapTrust.com is where you'll find us.